0: Hello, this is episode 321 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm new sure already? So by default, with the way the podcast listings happen, because I created a podcast in two parts, this has sort of become 321 by default. You just go with it. It doesn't really matter what number it is. So I suspect that this will be a series of podcasts because it's been motivated by this frenzy of people, YouTubers, who have set themselves up as behavioral experts online and have vast followings. And the kind of catch all phrase for all negative behavior right now is narcissism, which started as a result of the last American president. And I'll be honest, until you understand what made that president be the way that they are, and until you actually feel compassion for them, hard and all as that is, All you do is ensure that their behaviour will be rewarded and that there will always be people to vote for them and that there will be new versions of them. In the same way as it really struck me and it really hit me, and this is not going to be palatable, and I've been struggling to write a piece on it called 22 Crosses, because I was really struck by the fact that not 21 people died in that community. 22 did. And they were part of the community. And there should be 22 crosses. And until you can feel compassion and actually responsibility for that, you're ensuring that another community are going to have to go through the same grief. And it's very easy to blame the outside. And yes, I recorded a podcast about the fact that the access to the equipment to create these events means that they happen or they don't happen. And I fear them happening in Ireland because the same behaviours that have created that exist here and I work with them. No one comes into the world as a monster. It's much easier to, to brand somebody a monster than it is to consider how they became a monster. But nobody comes into the world broken. Nobody comes into the world racist. All of those things are learned habits The one resounding thing about narcissists is that there are certain personality types that are predisposed to developing the habits. And it's as if they have a toy box of bad toys to play with. And they do a series of certain behaviours that are hugely destructive as parents. But ultimately, all of their actions are about how they make themselves look. One of the aspects I'm finding quite entertaining about these YouTubers is that they're they're currently going around feeding now that they finished feeding on the trial and making so many assumptions about that and actually not caring about anybody involved in it. They have now moved on to the royal family because that was the next big event. So that was the next series of, of footage to pick over. I need to re-watch one of the videos because I feel a lot of it is fundamentally racially driven, a lot of their negative comments. But I couldn't get past the fact that I wanted to throw my phone across the room. And so I need to I need to, to look at it again with a clear head and obviously not throw my phone across the room. But like the irony is is that one of the textbook things, which they state themselves, is that a narcissist only does things that benefits them. So they only have a YouTube channel to benefit them. And they have thousands and thousands of views of these videos that bond them. So ironically, people are rewarding narcissists online commenting on people who are not actually narcissists. A 12-year-old narcissist does not take on a big brand because of their sexism. That's not something you do to look after you. That's something that you do to look after beyond outside of you. So there's not, not a narcissist trend. But what happens as a person who experiences the parenting of a narcissist. I describe it as this sort of pedestal placement and displacement. Where you're put up on a height and there's huge expectations made of you and you're revered a lot. In order is an extension to make the narcissist look good and feel good. And often those demands that are made of you are not possible for you to obtain or to reach. But if you do reach them and you take the attention away from the parent, so ultimately, if you become bigger than the parent and it becomes about you and your achievements and, it, and the focus has been taken off the narcissistic parent, what they will then do is knock you off the pedestal. So you're kind of like, but I did everything you wanted me to do and now I'm not good enough. So like you know, try to wrap your head around that as a small child. You're, you're predisposed to being controlling, playing mind games, being passive-aggressive, volatile unpredictable. There's a total lack of secureness and consistency for the child. And that goes on to develop mental illnesses of different spectrums and levels. And levels of chaos will be the best way to view it. And so both of those people in that trial had narcissistic parents. They both turned out with challenges in relation to that. But one of them, rather than just turning out with a borderline personality disorder, which if you want, you can view as a duality in this most positive sense. And when it's a duality, you will generally be quite successful. You have a way to, and I recorded a podcast on, on duality and personalities rather than splits last year. And because I explain this a lot, to parents who are kind of following along this trail, having had a very narcissistic parent themselves, and they're now a parent too. And the cycle is getting worse and worse within the family generational line. And it can be a duality. And sometimes in that duality, you will go through negative spins, or you may have had negative habits in the past, or things that you've had to, to build yourself from. And you've had to find constructive outlets and so talk about routine, really good self-care routine, expression, creative expression is huge, and and so on. So it's it's a journey, but it can be a positive journey. If it's not a positive journey, there's a sense of you... I think a lot of people are confusing this almost with a sort of an imposter syndrome. And this is a big part of this because there's a lot of psychological language coming into every day. That's all being sort of rolled into one big fat and we're not really looking at it. And we're only, in the same way as we always do in terms of measuring people, we're only looking at what's wrong with them. We're not looking at how to do something constructive with this, how it could possibly be positive, how to how to live a balanced life, we make all sorts of, we're just always in the negative, this is what's wrong with you. And so there can be an aspect of, of feeling like you take on different roles. In its most explosive form, that is a histrionic personality disorder, which is basically outward extended chaos and drama, and a need for attention in a really toxic negative, dysfunctional way that's almost impossible to live with or to be in a space with. Like, I, I, I've been in cafe spaces and watched people ask this out to the staff in the cafes. They just have to, to create attention to them for all sorts of really mundane reasons. There's a storyline running in their head. They feel incredibly persecuted. And it can be confusing for people because they often portray themselves as doing things for, you know, the greater good and the benefit of something bigger than themselves. And that's just a storyline for them. So again, it's that narcissism trait running through of doing something really for you and for building you up rather than external to you and portraying that as something else and something different. But there was huge demands made of, of, of Trump as a child. Like, a lot of people talk about his relationship with his mother. But his relationship with his father, it's textbook put on a pedestal and knocked off. Given a huge amount of monetary wealth and no other nurturing wealth. Being placed into an education system that you can't possibly achieve and cope in. By hook or crook, you know. Finding yourself there. And he has all of the hallmarks for me of literacy challenges because a lot of his... Social awkwardness, I know, is down to, to literacy challenges, and one of the ways to cover that up, rather than be honest, is to be incredibly arrogant, um, and very misogynist as well. To it's all just one, just constant smokescreens, you know, trying to draw attention away from any vulnerability, at any time, and not, not being able to be real in any way. And all of that was learned as a, as a child. But until you you understand that and you start to look at that, you're not looking at the people who are voting for him. You're not looking at the fact that they all don't feel good enough to be in education, that they feel like the world has let them down, that, that somehow everybody else is having a better time than them. Those are recurring stories in, what, in what you what you hear from from the people supporting supporting him. There's something very fundamentally lacking. In their own well-being, there's a lack of nurturing for them. There's a lack of possibility. There's a lack of access—a perceived lack of access. I always say that you know you're not living unless you're doing one thing that terrifies you day. And it's very, it's very, it's very knife edged to stand out and say these things because it's much easier to just hate these people. It's much easier to to just go out and post negative comments and make them the enemy and just think that they have to be this way. It's always much easier to, to blame somebody else than it is to, to try to build a community with people who don't feel they have a community themselves, who don't even think that that's possible. They're so used to trying to grab their piece of land or their house or their space or their spot or their job or their entitlement or their little bit of ownership to cling on to. They, they don't feel part of anything either. We have, uh, we have at least two generations of people, if not three at the moment, that I'm working with that have been measured so much in a society that requires such perfection that they don't ever feel that they can do enough. And we talk about burnout, but we never look at what's, what's, what's below that. We never look at why you're burnt out, why you don't feel good enough what you're trying to get to. We don't look at how you feel responsible for the wrong things, that there's no sense of proportion in what matters in life. These are all themes that add up together, believe it or not, in all of these streams of random events that people just want to pick over on YouTube as some sort of comedy exercise with the most unbelievable judgments and measurements of and just as many people watch those as go out and vote for the sort of person who's recording them, who is ironically doing what they're projecting onto other people that they're doing. But until you start to understand this and look at people as a whole and feel compassion for them and look at why they're clinging on to their little patch of space. We're not going to build anything.